Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96, Comcast Xfinity, and Channel 30, Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9, Xfinity, and Channel 29, Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. Now on to the talking news. Renovations to police DPW facilities approved by TM by Joanna K. Zuvalis. Belmont Town Meeting members decided the fate of the Public Works and Police Department's facilities at their April 30 Town Meeting session with the approval of Article 23, funding for the renovations of both facilities. The project will cost no more than $8.9 million in total with no debt exclusion required. In the last six months, the DPW Belmont Police Department Building Committee came up with a 10-year solution for the public works facility cost, costing between $1.2 and $1.4 million, and a permanent solution for the police station costing between $6.2 and $7.5 million. Funding for the two projects, which will begin immediately, will come from a $7.4 million bond, which the town will pay back annually, $440,000 per year for 30 years. An additional $590,900 is coming from the Kendall Fund, funds from insurance settlement after the Kendall School fire. Any additional funds to pay for furnishings and equipment could come out of the capital budget. Community Preservation Act funds will also be requested for the exterior of the police station to fund window work, a new front door, and reappointing of the brick. There was a standing ovation of applause following the vote as building committee members shook hands and, and congratulated each other, along with heads of both the police and public works department and the board of selectmen on the victory. Architect Ted Galante of the Galante Agri uh, Architectural Studio in Cambridge has come up with a renovation and addition plan which keeps the building's historic facade intact and would allow the police station to remain in its current location for the foreseeable future. The plan adds 10,000 square feet to the existing building with an addition over the lower level in the back of the building, an elevator, a sally port addition on the side of the building, a new handicapped accessible entrance, new locker room space for males and females, new holding cells, a new booking area, a safe locking facility for weapons, an improved interview and holding room, a three-bay garage, parking for an additional 15 vehicles, and a second staircase in the back of the building. 
Galante said the bones of the existing building, built in 1931, are very good and could last another 87 years. Galante's plan for the public works facility add at least another 10 years of life by improving the building's ventilation and adding modular rooms on the back of the existing building for 1.2 to 1.4 million. These modulars will provide locker rooms for male and females, including showers, a laundry facility, a large multi-purpose room for training or meetings, a quiet rest space, an expanded break room, with a kitchenette, administrative space with a laboratory with a lavatory, and a check-in area for private contractors. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Working on diversifying staff in Belmont schools. Belmont school leaders are pushing to hire diverse teachers by Kerry Feltner. As an African-American, Regina Keynes did not have any teachers that looked like her in elementary school, or in high school, or in college, or in law school. Her three children each repeated the cycle. They never had a teacher of color. Her grandson, too. Today, her great-grandson is in third grade. So far, he has had the same experience. My greatest sorrow or disappointment is that it hasn't changed within my family population in all those decades, she said. The Belmont school uh, staff, I mean, the Belmont staff race profile is as follows. Between 2017 and 2018, African American is 2%. Asian is 2.7%. Hispanic is 0.6 tenths of a percent. White is 92%. Multi-race non-Hispanic is 2.4%. Females, 81.4%. Males, 18.6%. Full-time equivalents, 480.3%. The Belmont student race profiles for 2017 to 2018 is African-American, 3.4%, Asian, 19.1%, Hispanic, 4.3%, Native American, one-tenth of a percent, White, 66.2%, Native Hawaiian, 0.1-tenth of a percent, and multi-race, non-Hispanic, 6.8%. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Chenery Middle School improves cafeteria recycling efforts. <clears throat> Thanks to the efforts of the Chenery administration, custodial and cafeteria staff, teachers, students, and the Chenery Green Team, the 2017-2018 school year has been a time of significant change in and greening of the Chenery Middle School cafeteria. September began with a focus on behavioral change and tighter routines in the Chenery Cafeteria. Once in place, focus shifted to expanding and improving recycling and reducing waste. To date, Chenery has eliminated styrofoam trays and replaced them with a type that will compost, begun stacking trays for disposal, thus reducing the total volume of trash, eliminated non-recyclable straws, reduced waste-produced production in the cafeteria by more thoughtfully diverting recyclable materials, 
and created the Trash Basher program in grades 5th and 6th, a volunteer student group tasked with monitoring and assisting with the refuse stream. As Chenery enters the 2018-2019 school year, the cafeteria will become even greener. Refuse centers are being built for the cafeteria designed to make it easy for students and staff to correctly sort waste. The centers will have designated depositories for liquid pour-off, bottle and can recycling, milk and juice carton recycling, trash compost and tray stacking. The trash bashers are rallying for a big splash in the fall, hoping to expand to all four grades, fifth through eighth. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. The Wellington Neighborhood Eatery Opens by Joanna K. Zavallis. The Wellington Neighborhood Eatery, Belmont's newest family restaurant, has been busy getting ready to officially open its doors. As soon as the sign went up on 75 Leonard Street and the windows were no longer covered, many passers-by have been curiously peering inside to get a look. A sign on the door shares how the restaurant got its name from the Wellington Homestead and Tavern, which was located at Wellington Station in Belmont in the 1800s, a popular stopping place for travelers between Boston and Concord. A sign on the front window says the original Wellington Station was the catalyst for what would become Belmont Center. Today we are reestablishing this neighborhood eatery, offering everyday escape from the every... Uh, from the everyday reestablished 2018. The Wellington Neighborhood Eatery is co-owned by brothers Damien, Filippo, and Dante de Magistris. This is their fourth restaurant, 15 years in the making. Their first restaurant is Restaurant Dante, and their other two locations are El Casal Belmont and El Casal Lexington. Here are facts to know about the new restaurant, according to co-owner Damien de Magistreus. The Wellington Neighborhood Eatery, 75 Leonard Street, Belmont, is a restaurant offering an eclectic American cuisine with an extensive beverage program, craft beers, cocktails, wines from around the world, and even milkshakes. Some are spiked. The Wellington will be open for dinner seven days a week, seven nights a week from 5 to 9.30 p.m., Sunday through Thursday, and 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday. There will be a special bar menu until midnight. Dinner appetizers include Calendar Island mussels, short rib French onion soup, deep, or I should say fried Ipswich clams, and much more. Burgers are on the menu, including one called the Wellington, which is puff pastry in between two flat patties, black truffle mushrooms, duxalis braised spinach, caramelized onions. Entrees include maple poached salmon, cauliflower steak, steak tots, slow-roasted lamb brochettes, fried chicken, and more. Sides include onion petals, tater tots, fries, and more. The new 25-seat bar will open at 4.30 daily. It includes, uh, it has hooks to hang purses and charging outlets. The staff mixologist has created a menu of cocktails such as the 
Esmeralda, there are 16 beer taps, including Bostiles, Pipeworks, Oxbow, Fiddlehead, Medusa, Finback, and much more. The restaurant has 133 seats and a private dining room for 25 seated, 35 standing. They will also have a raw, a raw bar, including oysters and clams. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. All financial articles are approved by the town meeting by Joanna K. Zavellas. Segment B of the annual Belmont Town Meeting concluded on June 4 with all financial articles approved for fiscal year 2019, including the $116 million, million dollar budget, $1.4 million in capital expenditures, and the retirement board articles to increase the spousal benefit adjustment for surviving spouses of retirees and to increase the cost of living adjustment, COLA, base for retirees. The COLA base is the basis for calculating a cost of living adjustment for the town's pensions. A higher base increases the amount of the adjustment, according to Roy Epstein, chairman of the Warrant Committee. The majority of the discussion revolved around retirement board articles 24 and 25, which failed at last year's town meeting, but were brought back this year, with one slight change to Article 25, to increase the COLA base for retirees from $12,000 to $13,000, rather than $14,000 requested last year. Article 24 increases the spousal benefit for surviving spouses of retirees from six grand to twelve grand. Town Treasurer and Retirement Board member Floyd Carmen presented each article highlighting the key point of fairness because the allowance for surviving spouses of school employees is twelve thousand and the COLA base for teachers is thirteen thousand. Unfunded liability increased. Article 24 passed, 191 to 24. The estimated increase to the unfunded pension liability will be $187,000, equivalent to 2.2% of the current $75 million liability. Warrant Committee member Jeff Lubian said it will bring a small group of three surviving spouses up to par with the rest of Belmont's surviving spouses. Article 25 passed 134 to 83. The Warren Committee voted unfavorable action by a vote of 10 to 3. The Board of Selectmen was unanimously in favor of the article. According to Carmen, the COLA base has been $12,000 since 1998. The increase would mean $23.50 per month or $390 per year. The estimated increase to the unfunded pension liability is $873,000. The estimated additional cost to the fiscal 2019 appropriation is $129,600. Bob McLaughlin, Warrant Committee member and Precinct 2 Town Meeting member, said he wasn't changing his no vote on uh, the article from last year. We can't afford it, he said, telling town meeting members to look ahead a couple of years to how much it will add to the pension liability. 
$10 million by fiscal year 2021, $12 million by fiscal year 2025, and more than $14.5 million in 2029, the year the unfunded pension liability is to be paid off. He expressed his concern about available funds for future needs, such as a new pump truck for the fire station and the Belmont High School project. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. <clears throat> Belmont's Foodies Market closed on May 31st by Joanna Kate Savellis. Foodies Market at 87 Leonard Street in Belmont Center officially opened its doors last May after extensive renovation to the 12,000-square-foot lower level of the former Macy's site, which stood vacant for more than four years before Foodies opened. One year later, owner Victor Leon Jr. announced its closing May 31st. A handwritten sign hung on the door May 31st, which read, Thank you for your support over the past year. It's been a pleasure serving you. Alongside a printed sign that said, Foodies is closed. Thank you for your patronage. It's hard to believe we weren't able to generate the business we wanted to, he said. This is a big blow for our company. This was the fourth location for the small supermarket chain. Leon Jr.'s father, Victor Leon Sr., started the company in 1998 with its first location in the South End. In 2007, Leon opened a second location in Duxbury, currently the biggest store in the company. In 2013, Foodies in South Boston opened. Recently, customers may have noticed many shelves beginning to look bare. Some refrigerator cases closed, fewer baked goods, and no seafood. Leon Jr. said the company made the decision to close the Belmont store a couple of weeks ago because they weren't getting the volume of customers they needed. The move came despite efforts earlier this year to get the store's core group of customers back to the store more often and to get new people who may not have tried the store to come in. The store had also sought town permission to add a cafe-style seating area inside, inside for customers to eat, where they could eat the store's prepared food. It has since withdrawn its application. Leon said a number of factors may have been contributing to the low sales, including a perception that their prices were a lot higher than competitors and difficulties with the parking on Leonard Street. He also said the fact that the store was located below street level may have turned people off. Leon Jr. said they made the decision to take the lower level space because they didn't need as much square footage as the upper level and the rent was lower. If location and space are the main issue, then it will be difficult for another grocer to come in, he said. Leon Jr. also said multiple price comparisons done by a third party showed their prices were at at the same level or below those at the star market in Belmont. We feel we were competitively priced. Our larger competitors have the resources to advertise a low price image in a much bigger way, which I feel probably led to assumptions of us being higher priced, he said. Although there is a two-hour parking lot in the back where the main entrance to Foodies was located, Leon Jr. said people who, people who preferred to park on Leonard Street may have been deterred by the meters or lack of spaces. In addition, he said, it's possible the all-alcohol license issued by the Belmont Board of Selectmen to Star Market may have been a contributing factor to their low sales. 
Leon Jr. said the volume of sales was too low for the operating size of the store. He wishes the company could have shrunk the size of the store, but it was difficult to backtrack and change the footprint due to the location of utilities. Profit margins are razor thin in the grocery business, he said. Because they, and because they weren't able to get the customer count needed to operate in the size of the space, they were unable to break even. Even if the rent was reduced to nothing, he said they would still wouldn't be able to keep their doors open. Leon Jr. said the customers they had were happy and surprised more people weren't coming in. He said they did a lot of research on the site before making the decision to locate there and never expected to be closing one year after opening. None of the projections came in anywhere close to where they were supposed to be. We feel terrible, said Leon Jr. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Assistant Town Administrator resigned by Joanna K. Zavallis. The Belmont High School Building Committee announced on June the 7th that Assistant Town Administrator Phyllis Marshall is no longer serving as treasurer because she is no longer with the town of Belmont. Jessica Porter, Director of Human Resources, confirmed Marshall resigned. Her last day was May 31st. In an email to her co-workers, Marshall wrote, It has been a privilege and a pleasure serving with all of you over the last four years. I am proud of the work we have accomplished together, and I consider myself lucky to have gotten to know you and become friendly with so many great people here. I will be taking a little time off to enjoy some nice weather with my husband and family before embarking on a new experience, yet to be decided. Porter said town administrator Patrice Garvin will be looking at the staffing of her department to determine if Marshall will be replaced. The position has not been posted at this time. Marshall, who lives in Canton, began her position as Belmont's assistant town administrator, January the 6th, 2014. Prior to coming to Belmont, she was the treasurer collector for the town of Watertown. And, all, and over to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Senior housing proposal to face opposition. Belmont Country Club plans to sell land in Lexington near the Belmont and Arlington borders by Diane McLaughlin. Two visions for town life could soon face off in Lexington. One sees larger buildings as a solution for senior housing, while the other wants to preserve a traditional suburban lifestyle. In 2014, Lexington produced a housing production plan that identified a need for more senior housing. A proposed development in Lexington's southern section would increase housing options for seniors, but nearby residents have joined together to try to stop the project, citing concerns about rodents, traffic, and an unwanted trend toward urbanization. The proposed development would include both independent and assisted living on land in Lexington owned by the Belmont Country Club. In an interview, Ted Tai, managing partner for the developer National Development, said he had not heard major concerns from the community about the project. The developer has held several community meetings, including one on May 3rd, and accepts public comments about the project through an online site. 
but neighbors have formed a group called Halt the Belmont Country Club Apartment Complex. Rick Cronin, who lives on Briggs Road, told the Lexington Minuteman that the group has started to make plans for op opposing the development. What is the project? Belmont Country Club plans to sell land in Lexington near the Belmont and Arlington borders. A large apartment complex previously proposed for the site was rejected. In June 2017, a different developer, Newton-based National Development, met with the Board of Selectmen and the Planning Board to suggest a smaller project for the land. The new proposal calls for two buildings across from each other on Watertown Street, south of Route 2. One facility called Bridges at Lexington would offer 48 units of memory care assisted living. The one-and-one-half-story building would be near Golden Avenue in Lexington. Across the street, a larger complex, Waterstone at Lexington, would offer seniors both independent and assisted living, including amenities such as dining and housekeeping. The proposal calls for 40 assisted living and 116 independent living units, some qualifying as affordable housing. The building would have no immediate Lexington abutters. On the north side of Route 2, nearby streets include Briggs Road, Crescent Road, Great Rock Road, and Green Lane. Because both buildings would house seniors, the project would have a minimal effect on town services, Ty said. Need for senior housing. The 2014 Housing Production Plan identified the need to develop housing types that appeal to seniors, including smaller, accessible households. Ty said he had heard that adding senior housing in Lexington was a town priority. Several residents who commented online about the project cited a need for more senior housing. But Cronin said he would prefer to see Lexington help seniors remain in their current homes by reducing property taxes instead of developing large complexes. While Lexington's housing plan, including the goal of allowing seniors to age in place, it also stated that many do not want to remain in larger, less accessible homes. Traffic concerns. Cronin and Debarshi Nandi, who lives on Green Lane near the proposed development, both cited increased traffic as another concern with the project. Traffic and navigation apps already send drivers to the neighborhood, Cronin said, especially as an alternative for getting to Route 128. Residents of the assisted living facility will not have cars, but Cronin expects many other residents would drive. Ty said some residents would have cars, and visitors and employees would drive to the building as well. The Waterstone building will provide transportation services for residents. Now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Belmont Hill Roll Call. Protect Animals. Bill H-4565. The House voted 147 to 0 and approved a bill to protect the health and safety of animals. Provisions include requiring that animal abuse be reported by employees of the Department of Children and Families, the Department of Elder Affairs, and the Disabled Persons Protection Commission in the course of their work. 
increasing prison terms and fines for abuse of an animal, prohibiting anyone from having sex with an animal, prohibiting the drowning of animals, repealing a current requirement that animals involved in illegal animal fighting automatically be killed and instead creating other options for these animals, prohibiting insurance companies from refusing insurance coverage and housing authorities from refusing to rent to a potential renter based on a specific breed, and requiring property owners and landlords to check property for abandoned animals within three days following a foreclosure or end of tenancy. Supporters said the bill is long overdue and will protect many animals from injury, abuse, and death. Protecting the welfare of animals is embedded in our values as a commonwealth, said House Ways and Means Chair Jeff Sanchez, Democrat Boston. Animal welfare reflects the broader public safety concerns at the center of many conversations today. Current research conducted by Northeastern University and the MSPCA shows compelling evidence for the link between animal abuse and violence toward humans. The study found a person who committed animal abuse is five times more likely to commit violence against people. And now back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.